0: Hello and welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by com. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by George Ellick and Sam Tye to look at the Manchester derby this week. We're just going to focus on that because it's such a huge game for various reasons in the Premier League picture. This show is, of course, sponsored by Ultimate Fan as well. So thank you to them for continuing to back the podcast. George, I'll come to you first. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Thank you for for asking back. Not often I, I get asked myself. I'm I'm very well. Thank you. And Sam so wearing a cap for today's podcast.
1: Yes, my hair doesn't look good. It's best that we put the cap on. I'm afraid.
0: But you oh. showered especially for this
2: show. You, you said, did
1: so. <laughs> I did. I did and then I didn't do my hair. Oh,
2: no, no. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Did
1: Did you wash it? Yes. How often be... do you wash your hair? Uh, four four <laughs> times a week. Really? Wow. I do mine every
0: day. Do you shampoo and oh conditioner to then? Because then do you have to have a, you have to wash my hair to be able to do it again the next day? It doesn't work no, otherwise with no, the hair no. product. Isn't that Mine's isn't there gone. a thing that you're you're not meant to wash your hair too often?
1: That's right. Well, I'm doing okay for hair and stuff at the moment. So, so, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, so I've heard he what George has yourself. heard, and that's mm. why I tried to I tried to do sort of every other roughly hmm, I'm going to continue doing what I've done. If it ain't broke, don't fix
0: it. But yeah, we haven't really got time to be talking about hair regimes (laughs) and and whatnot. We've already had a 40-minute WhatsApp conversation about which supermarket is, is the best. So we better crack on with the podcast. Then, of course, it is the Manchester derby this weekend, Manchester City against Manchester United. I don't know why I felt the need to say who the two teams were because everybody knows that the Manchester derby is those two teams. George, everything looked to be going okay for Manchester United. They were winning games. Pretty not, well, actually, not comfortably at all. But they were they were churning out results. I think I said on this podcast that there's absolutely no chance that this can continue because they're not playing well. And at some point, those moments of magic will dry up. Fulham went to Old Trafford last weekend, and those moments of magic did dry up, and they lost, and they deserve to lose probably like they had done for the games before as well.
2: Yeah, you've kind of answered the question for me there, Dan. So we, can, we can move on. <laughs> I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah o. they
2: they um they won what was it, four games in a row, they are unbeaten in five, but realistically, apart from a very good first half to play against Wolves, and again they won 4-3 with that amazing uh, minute goal late on, um, they, they beat West Ham 3-0 in one of the least convincing 3-0 wins I think we've, we've probably seen in Premier League history. They were then completely outplayed by Aston Diller at Villa Park and won 2-1. They were then, having gone ahead very early, 2-0 up, through 2 holding goals against Luton, were then outplayed at 2-1 up against Luton for the majority of that game. <clears throat> so, yeah the results were good but the performances themselves the bigger picture dare i say it didn't ever look particularly um promising for Manchester United and therefore it wasn't really a massive surprise to see them put in another subpar performance but not being able to get over the line and being beaten 2-1 by by Fulham um in a game where you know Fulham United created a fair few chances of The game it wasn't like Fulham a much the better team i'd probably argue that Aston Villa in particular put in a more dominant display over United than Fulham did. Um, But Fulham were able to get over the line and win the game after a good performance. So I don't think loads changed with United. It was just a case where Hoyland scored goals, which was important, and and him coming out of the side, as we'll talk about, impacted them. But um, it wasn't like there was suddenly a massive improvement of performance level that yielded results. It was just them getting probably a little bit fortunate over a short run of games.
1: Yeah, so just to jump in here as well, like I did do a piece for the Who Scored website on on how this did feel a bit unsustainable. Um, And I looked at the shots conceded specifically because like the amount of shots that Man United are conceding is, is genuinely quite scary. Um, And I think off the back of the Fulham game, they hit 100 shots conceded over the course of a four or five game span, which is like absolutely horrific, right? It's, it's just awful. Um, And individually in the games that that George has, has talked about here, um, they conceded sort of 22 or 23 shots a game against Luton, West Ham, and Villa. Now, Sheffield United concede an average of 17 and a half shots per game. And this is a Sheffield United team who have conceded a record 65 games after, uh, sorry, sixty-five goals after 25 games, which at the time it was written. Like, this is absolutely shocking. <laughs> it's so bad. And we were watching How are them they play. where they are in the league? I don't know. I don't know. But, they are but I was, rubbish. But you're watching these games and like, you're just like, this, this, cannot, this, this cannot continue because they, they play games on, on, on a very fine line, right? It's like a high wire circus act because they cannot control the game at all. They cannot control the tempo. They cannot control the play. They just attack and it comes back, attack and it comes back. And when they lose the ball, they're so vulnerable. And of course, usually in football, the team with the better players does win. And so often, United have the better players on the pitch and they come out the right side of the margins. But it cannot continue forever. You know, it's not one of those sustainable things. And eventually, it was going to come up. And last week, I was gutted that my prediction of 2-2, Man United 2, Fulham 2 didn't come in. And the only reason it didn't come in is because Fulham won it. I knew it was going to come off at some point. Yeah, I
0: mean, from what I saw, I didn't watch the whole, the whole game, but that, the highlights kind of showed me that especially in the first half, Fulham were were far and away the the better team. I've got this theory about Manchester United where they always look at their best when they're behind. And I think that creates a a false narrative around Manchester United. Oh, they're attacking, they're having a go balls into the box. But what they're actually doing... In that, in that game, there's no sustainable build-up play there. I still don't know what they're doing, go, going forward. You know, you mentioned some of the teams they've played, like Wolves and Luton, for example, who are below them in the table. They've still got more identity than, than Manchester United. and Villa, the other game as well, have absolutely got more identity to Manchester United. I cannot believe they are where they are in the league. And I don't know whether you saw it yesterday, George, the, the press conference with, with Ten Hag look, look, talking before the FA, FA Cup game. It's on another planet. I said mm. on another show that I, that I do. Sometimes I'll start saying something on shows like this or on the radio, and I actually don't, when I open my mouth, I actually don't know where I'm going with, with, with what I'm saying. All right, that Michael what, Scott. That's that, no, that an know. amazing <laughs> thing to, <laughs> to admit. No, but it's exactly the same. Eric Ten Hag's press conference felt, ex- it felt exactly like that. I, I didn't say I do it all the time. I said, I said, sometimes <laughs> I've been known to, to do Is this one of those occasions? Yeah, no, no, I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> Eric, Eric Ten Hag, some of the stuff he was saying about Anthony. Some of the stuff he was saying about Jamie Carragher, some of the way he was talking about how his team play. He's just literally making it up and talking rubbish. But, but this, this is exactly what we were told was going to happen by, by the, the media
2: in the Netherlands when he came over. We were told that his relationship with the press was very, very um, awkward, that he was someone who didn't, you know, didn't necessarily play the game particularly well in terms of cultivating relationships with journalists. And he was always very spiky when things weren't going well, and this is what we're seeing now. You know, he his reaction to what was like a really insightful data led um, bit of insight from Carragher yeah. on, on Sky Sports he seemed to take as if it was like a personal yeah. vendetta, an attack on on him. Like it's it's weird. It's weird. And you know, I kind of uh, made a bit of a dig a second ago by you know him saying the big picture, if you can see it, is, is positive. Like that's him basically saying in my mind, reading between the lines, he's saying, you don't understand football. I understand football. I can see the big picture. I can tell you that it's going well. And there's there's no evidence to that.
1: I mean, he might just be talking about Ineos and the, the the impending takeover. Or he might just be doing what managers do, which is they just say stuff. It doesn't have to be true. Like They don't have to speak the truth in these press conferences. And, and sometimes managers just, just talk. And they just say stuff that, that may not be true, but they want it to be true. And they'll just tell you it and tell you it and tell you it until actually one of these days you might believe it. And I think that is what he does sometimes because a lot of managers do that, head in the sand stuff.
0: It was a bit like Rio Ferdinand saying that Arteta would definitely go to Manchester United if, if they came into him. It's, I feel like you're just saying stuff for the sake. If it. Clickbait, there's no Nothing Ten Hag said was true and the way he spoke about Anthony Sam. If, if that stuff was true, then he wouldn't be going through the under-21s, under-19s, under-18s, under-17s or trying to find a right winger to play instead of him. So what did he say about Anthony? Said that over ten yards, there's there's no player quicker. I'm not sure. <laughs> I've, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure over the first ten yards. Sorry, yeah. I'm not sure I've seen that. He's just saying about his mentality. He's he's excellent. He's not in the team at the moment, basically, but he's he's going to come back. And I know what a good player is. What a good player he is. I haven't really seen any evidence of that. And pound for pound, I think now you could realistically say he's up there as arguably the worst Premier League signing ever.
1: Yeah, it's going to be LeCaku tough. Second time round. I mean, it's going to be tough to beat Anthony here in these stakes, isn't it? Um, yeah. Because he was a lot of money, right? He was like 80 or 90 million, wasn't 86 he? 86 million, I believe. I mean, yeah. And and I think we all said at the time, what the hell are you doing? Like, just what are you doing? And it was a symbol of how poorly the, the, the club was run, obviously, that they got to the end of the window and they didn't have a winger and they were like, crap, we need a winger. But they don't really have a front office or a scouting department either so they said eric anyone you've worked with mate fancy fancy and he's like oh yeah the guy in my last i used to live in amsterdam and there was a a good winger there anthony <laughs> all right cool yeah let's pay whatever that, that was it that is, that is that is how it felt so yeah, not great, not great, not Anthony's fault. Obviously, something I feel like I've said a lot this week. Or people are saying a lot when well, you talk about the Chelsea signings. Moises Caicedo did not ask to be made a hundred and twenty million pounds player, and neither did Enzo. No. And it's tough on these players when they're clearly, in Anthony's case, clearly nowhere near worth this much money, um, and he is quick. Over over ten yards, I'll give him the that. The first ten yards? the first
0: ten yards. Yeah, he, he didn't even say over ten yards. He said over the first ten yards and almost imploded. And after that,
1: he runs out of I mean, <laughs> It was almost imploded like that. And there is a difference between quickness and speed, right? Um, but is like this? top top, yeah. Well, quick. So quickness is that is that sort of short area of quickness. It's it's being agile. Burped. It's burst. Right. And then speed is like over once you get once you're running from one to thirty meters. Are you any? are you fast? Like, I, I think Bale... sometimes
0: Sam opens his mouth and even he doesn't know where he's going. Is that what <laughs> he's... <laughs>
1: Bale was fast, right? Okay. Raheem Sterling is quick. That's my distinction between the two. One's really, really quick and agile over short areas. Bale, if you just get him going over 60, 70 meters, it'll just rinse you. Ten Hag's not necessarily wrong about calling Anthony quick or, or whatever over a short distance, but yeah, I mean, it's very disappointing to see a winger costing 86 million that can't sprint properly. Um, that's it's not that's not good.
0: I and mean, one signing that was looking like it was start starting to go quite well, George, was of course Rasmus Hoyland. Had just hit a little bit of form, and then as luck would have it, he ends up getting injured off the back <laughs> of that good form. Over the last six appearances, he's actually second. In the in, in the Premier League form rankings, according to, to who scored, Saka is top with eight point three eight. Hoyland second with seven point nine five, and Pascal Groyce is seven point nine four in third. After that, there's Barkley, Erdegaard, Declan Rice, Rodri, McAllister, Watkins, and Luis Diaz. Rashford, obviously, I said they didn't play, they didn't play because he was injured. Rashford ended <laughs> up ended up playing up front. George, it never works, it never goes well. But they've they've got, I, I suppose, they've left themselves in a the position where. Who else can they play there?
2: I just never understand why there is this perception that Marcus Rashford can play up front. Like I just don't, I don't get it. Is, Is is it because he scored like four goals when he was a teenager when he was dropped in there, and people still have that memory of him scoring kind of strikers finishes? Like this is a player who's best like most impactful moments on a football pitch so when he picks up the ball from wide areas like why would you play that player through the middle I don't understand he doesn't have he doesn't score the kind of goals that you want to go score and score he doesn't hold the ball up well he doesn't link play particularly well he's someone who needs to get on the ball facing goal and standing players up and using his pace and you, you just don't do that through the middle I don't that like I, I genuinely think you'd rather I'd rather have like Bruno playing up front than um yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't understand this idea that he's a striker. It doesn't make any sense. We see it with England the whole time. You know, we Harry Maguire. Why not? <laughs> Fine. But, like, you know, when people talk about the England squad, it's like, oh, you know, we'll only take probably, um, we'll only take uh, Kane and and, and Watkins because, you know, Rashford can be the third striker if needed. Why?
1: No. It's fair. Like, what, what, no. like,
2: what is this? I, I don't understand why. The I'm better option there
1: is take Bowen as the third, the third yeah. striker, yeah. winger slash yeah. striker.
2: Yeah, or just bring Tony and just, you yeah. know, I'm, I anyway, it, it, it annoys me. Like, it, I don't understand. There's just very little evidence to suggest that he is effective through the middle. And if United, you know, the, I think the downgrade of, of having Rashford there rather than Hoyland, but also taking away a very, you know, I know he's not having a good season and he's not in a particularly good place right now, but taking away the attacking threat of Rashford from the left-hand side on top of that, it just makes United so much weaker.
0: I think people say it about England because they know that's what Southgate will do, because that's mm. what's been done in the, in the last couple of squads, isn't it? He has gone as the left winger, but if anything was to happen to the first two strikers, he's the, the next cab off the rank, I guess. I don't agree with it, but I say uh, it because yeah, I think what, that's what happens. Right.
1: I'm pretty sure that's what they do. Not that we've ever got to that point, by the way. No, and we like probably ever. won't again. No, yeah. we, we won't do it again, will we? Yeah.
0: I mean, there's, there's talk of is going to go in the summer. Last season, he, w- he was excellent. Stick you know, him up front. He's not gone quite as well. I mean, okay, any, literally anyone. Looked, Anana, <laughs> get him up front. Get him up front yeah. over Rashford. Over but anyway, yeah, so it looks like they're going to be looking for a, a new central midfielder in, in the summer. I mean, they've got problems, it feels, in, in a lot of positions. Obviously, they want Frankie De Jong. They chased him for a, for a whole summer. Is that still the type of profile of player that they need, or do
1: they need a, a younger Casemiro? All the Man United fans want Eric Ten Hag to basically implement the the Ajax possession style of play. And I think there was a fair expectation that he would do that, having come from Ajax. Um, he has recently said, can't do it, right? So he's come out and said, "He's come out and said, can't do that. Sorry, not an option. Um, I have to use the players at my disposal. I've got to look at the personalities of the players. Fine, that's what good management is, right? Get the best out of your players. He says he has to tap into that Man United DNA. And you go ahead and you look at the team. You've got Rashford, you've got Bruno Fernandes. All these guys, okay, do you actually want them to be stringing passes together? Or are these players at their best when they're playing, you know, direct football, off-the-cuff football? There is, there is there is an argument to suggest that that is probably the right way of doing it. However, the transfer window exists, and that is your opportunity to go out and buy players and then mould in a new philosophy. And
0: he's done that. He has done that.
1: Yes. He's had three well, windows. Yes, he's had three windows. Um. Yeah. This is what I don't still, understand. Still, 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 still hasn't made really business. made that <clears throat> move, hasn't migrated towards that controlling style. And like, presumably, he wanted Frankie because he knows that this Man United team cannot control periods of possession and control periods of the game, right? They can't manage the tempo and manage the ball. So, presumably, he wanted Frankie to come in and do that. That failed. Um, so then Ericsson sort of did that for a bit. And then. Eriksson, unfortunately, has is, is, is dipped off a bit. Maynou now does it to the best of his ability, but everyone else around him can't do it, so it doesn't really go very far. What I'm trying to say is I don't know what they need to do because I don't know where Ten Hag's head is at. Do
0: you think he'll be there? Do you think he'll be the manager next season if they don't qualify for Champions League, which is, which is, a, is a real possibility. We know that fifth might be a bit, end up being a Champions League place, but there is a, is a real possibility that Manchester United won't get top four, top five this season.
2: I, I, I don't think he'll be there for long. Personally, Not. I think the n- new era. I think there's there's a certain amount of toxicity at the club now that I think Tenog's <clears throat> attitude and the way that he has in the media plays into a little bit. I think if if Manchester United and you know the, the new ownership group or the new controlling group want to actually welcome in like a new dawn at United, I think quite an easy way of doing that from a PR point of view is to to go and hire a, a shiny new smiley manager and 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 end this era.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who that next man would be. Um, I guess like a good idea would be to go and contact like Ruben Amorim at, at Sporting and see if you mm. see if he fancies it. That sort of thing. Like if you look at that kind of potential move and you think, well, yeah, I think I think there's an upgrade there to be done. Um, but then there is obviously the new the new ownership element that George alludes to as well. Like, will Ineos just want to lay down a clean slate after what's happened this season? And some of it is mitigated by injuries. I, I, I do appreciate that. But after what's happened this season, the total lack of personality to the team—it's tough. It's tough to, it can it can get tough to defend his position at times. And if they end yeah. up, you know, eleven points off Villa or fifteen points off Villa, like you—you you can't report that in a good way, no matter how you slice it. Well, you would expect Manchester United to lose this game with all due respect. Well, actually, no respect at all to, to <laughs> Manchester City
0: this weekend. And then if Villa beat Luton, Villa would only need five wins from eleven to make it to seventy or seventy-one points. Manchester United would then need to win nine from 11 to beat that,
1: and that isn't something that you think would happen. It doesn't seem like they can win nine out of 11 games, does it? it no. Doesn't, it doesn't look me. like a team that can do that. They are very streaky, and they might win five in a row, but the thing is that they will then lose four in a row. So, <laughs> like, yeah. That's the problem.
0: I think goal difference is a massive problem as well. That would essentially mean they'd need an an extra point even on on top of that. So maybe they'd need 10 wins from 11 actually to usurp Villa if Villa can just get this this win at at the weekend. I mean, that's not a a great state for Manchester United to be in. And I take the point about, okay, he may not be able to play the Ajax way, George. But why can't he have like a hybrid of that? Why why can't I say that they're good at other things or trying to play in in another way? They're not really a great <clears throat> counter-attacking side. I, I don't think there's that some again. I don't think they're a great uh, ca- counter-attacking side. They don't really they don't defend brilliantly. Like their passing isn't isn't, isn't great. They're not great pressers. Like why isn't there? En- why can't I look at any of those things and say they're good at that? Because he has had three windows. Why can, why can Unai Emery come in and create something and create an ethos in the time he's been there less time? Why can Pasta Coglu do it? Why can Gary O'Neill do it? Why do I know what those teams are, but I don't know what Manchester United are?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I'd love to know from Ten Hag's point of view, you know, what his ideal kind of plan is. Because even though, you know, there are players in the United squad, Rashford certainly being one of them who are suited by attacking in transition. And we saw that to great effect last season. I think when you've got a really physical striker like Hoyland, you want him to be playing, you know, further up the pitch. You don't necessarily want him to be leading the line, um, but playing in, in a in a in a low block in a, in a deeper role. And then when you, you factor in you know, whether, whether it's Eriksen playing, who's someone who obviously wants to play in a team that dominate the ball, uh, Casemiro, a player who obviously, you know, his the best periods of his career of playing playing, kind of shielding a high line uh, in a 4-3-3 with a, in a possession-based team, something he's never really done at United. You know, at, Kas- a, a Kas- at United, Casamari has been the player that all possessions kind of gone through, which hasn't really suited him. It just feels like they don't really have the players necessary to implement a really heavy possession style of play. Like, I think if they tried to do that, they wouldn't be able to look after the ball well enough in advanced areas to, to, to do it. And then, as we mentioned, they don't necessarily have the the, the counter-attacking threat that's needed to play that way effectively. It feels to me like they're a classic team at the moment, where when they're behind in games they dominate the ball, when they're ahead in games they, you know, they, they allow the opposition to have to have possession. It's a mixed style based on game state, and there aren't really very many ultimately successful teams who do that. You know, at- Atletia clearly one under Simeone, who've, who've consistently done that over the last decade. Um, but uh, you know, that, that that's a one-off. If you look at the teams that are generally the most successful, there is a philosophy, uh, the, the, you know, the success at the top level, there's a philosophy that they're wedded to.
0: Yeah. I feel like he's kind of making things up on the, on, on the fly, as well, like Ineos have come in, and there's obviously going to be that focus on, on youth now. Suddenly he's chucking a few younger players in there to show, oh, I'm on the same page as these guys. I, I can be the <laughs> right man. I don't remember him doing that. Earlier, earlier on in the season, so yeah, I do feel like Ten Hag.
1: Is, I mean, he's put Coby Maneu in and played him. Yeah, well, now he's a that's, a, that's, a re- that's a
0: recent. That's a recent thing, though, isn't it? Since in, the Ineos stuff has, has been been going through and getting ratified, and they've, uh. and they've come out and spoken a, a little bit about what they. Plan Manchester United to be. I feel like he's suddenly starting to just chuck in a few little things that oh they might like Maybe. that they might they might think that I'm on the same page as that I could be being harsh. I,
1: I do I do think so. I think there was a there was a plan to have Manu much more involved from pre-season, but he did get injured in yeah. in, in defence of of Ten Hag and Man United there, and that would have disrupted things. We can't possibly say how much he would have featured in August, September, and October. No, that's
0: um, fair. Forson played at the weekend. Diallo came on. Anthony didn't, and then he says what he says about Anthony in the in the yeah. press conference. It's just not all aligned. Is It doesn't all make sense. Anyway, we've character assassinated Ten Hag and Manchester United enough here. There is another team playing in this game. That team is Manchester City, Sam. Erling Haaland was quite good in in the FA Cup (laughs) the other night, wasn't he?
1: Oh, (laughs) wow. Yeah, not bad, huh? Um, So, Erling Haaland missed the first Premier League game that Man City played against Luton because he was injured. And um, it looked like he really took that to heart because he maybe you had been really looking forward to scoring against Luton and, and saw his opportunity here in the FA Cup because this was a, a, a monstrous display. I mean, I'm going to caveat it here and say that Tim Krull was a disaster. Oh, in, in a the last success. goal. Oh, dear. I mean... There's problems everywhere. But yeah, the last one where it just... Cut, it Actually, ha- Haaland drills it straight into his body and it just bounces off the inside it's of his hard leg. It's harder to let that in than save it, it might be. Yeah, and and so like obviously I'm not trying to take away from scoring this many goals because it was remarkable. It was five, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but Tim Krul was a disaster in this one. Uh, even still, some lovely stuff from Haaland. Um, the first finish is really cool. And De Bruyne. The first finish is really cool. Blindside movement off the off the defender's shoulder for the first goal is brilliant defender is pretty sure he knows where he is and then bang nope you got that wrong and he sort of stabs it in really weirdly doesn't he uh lovely stuff the de bruyne through ball for i think the second one the one-on-one was really really good as well so lovely connection the city fans it's just what you want to see isn't it Ke- kevin de bruyne and erling Haaland taking advantage of what i what i would describe as a a poorly organized defense um the offside track was useless all defenders at different levels, one or two yards in advance or behind one another, gaps everywhere. Very non like very un-Luton. Yeah. Like not what I associate with Luton whatsoever. It's really strange. But I tell you what, Man United's defensive line doesn't look that solid either at the moment. So nah. if there's space to be found, Erling Haaland is gonna find it. And if there's a ball to be played, Kevin De Bruyne is gonna play it.
0: Yeah, but he's rubbish overall, isn't he, George? Because he's had a couple of opportunities to get that that in-game second hat trick now, and he's not done it. So <laughs> he, can, he can never get. The, he can never get to six in a game. Kind of, he never gets the.
1: Did he's here. He's he score nine? I don't he's, think he's got nine. not he's got nine, nine for, he nor- go. for Norway's under twenty ones. Maybe
0: we
2: can't well, count. It's, no. it's, it's it's, it's twenty. <laughs> it's twenty senior hat tricks now, isn't it? Which is just absolutely insane. Um, just, yeah, I mean he's brilliant. In, in, in fairness to Luton, because I, I kind of agree with what Sam said, but it does feel like in in cup games when you go behind early, you, you're going to have to, you know, uh, maybe be a bit more aggressive um, than you would be in a league game. And when you're playing against Manchester City, you're playing against a City team with uh, De Bruyne and Harland in the form that they're in. You know, it, it's quite easy to get picked off. Um, I thought they did pretty well. I think from an attacking standpoint, you know, despite the fact they conceded six, Luton. Created way more than we normally see teams create against Manchester City. Um, so I wouldn't be too. If I, if I was Rob Edwards, I think there are plenty of positives in that game to take out of it. But you know, for City, they were they were totally rampant, and um, you know, it was actually a couple of cruel saves later on that stopped it being being seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah,
1: um, I mean, Harlem, by the way, scored nine goals in a twelve-nil win for Norway's under twenties against Honduras in the FIFA under twenty World Cup. You can count you, it. I'm, I'm not going. You're not to. having it. I'm not going to count that. I want to see him
0: score six in a game. He's had a couple of opportunities to do it now and he's, he's not done it. Until he does that, for me, he's not going to be at the A-Level. Everyone <laughs> says, says that he's at uh, Erling Haaland. Um, let's talk about Matthias Nunes, George. I think I'm right in saying at the start of the season, he played a game wide for Wolves against Manchester United and looked very, very dangerous in transition in, in that game. Had a, had a really effective game that night. Wolves did play well. That night, Manchester United were lucky to win as well. Suddenly, he's been playing wide for, for Manchester City. After you wouldn't really say he's settled up until that point. Do you you think he'll stay in the team? And do you you like him in that wide role? I mean, whether
2: he stays in the team, it's it's probably helped by the fact that Jack Grealish um, keeps getting injured. Yeah. And it does feel like City at the moment, when they play someone like Nunes rather than a Doku as as a wide player, it gives them a little bit more control in games. Like I think Doku as an individual has been, been incredibly impressive. But right now, I think City can just win games by giving the ball to, to Kevin De Bruyne in dangerous areas consistently letting him do his thing. And, and by doing that, you basically want to control possession as much as possible and having players like Nunes can help with that. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, f- first game of the season in, you know, talking of fortunate United victories, there hasn't been one more fortunate all season than that 1-0 win they had over Wolves, where mm. I think Nunes' performance was probably the all that you know, City needed to see in order to 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 trigger the the fee to, to get him in that day because he was sensational. Um, but he's played through the middle for the most part so far, both kind of alongside Rodri and that with Jordan Rob, but also as a ten. And uh, he's someone who's you know I think as is the way with Pep Guardiola when he plays players in multiple positions, it, it's a means of, of getting them uh, kind of getting them to grips with what he demands from players in certain roles. And, and I'm pretty sure next season will be the season where we see Matias Nunes really step up in a, in a Man City shirt
1: he has he has played a fair chunk of football from the left but not in like not as a winger um yeah, or, yeah, uh, just because you're on the left doesn't mean actually
0: you're a winger yeah
1: but lots of last season Wolves played basically like with a flat four in midfield and they they did use um Ruben Neves with Mario Lamina or Joao Moutinho and and Nunes was like kind of off the left was just kind of there like not really left but kind of on the left so yeah. not that unfamiliar to him but but um, just someone who can't get off the ball, right? Like he just like uh, he's he's so press resistant. So it was naturally going to be very attractive to Pep Guardiola, who just loves to control the game, control the ball. If they don't have it, they can't score, that sort of thing. So it's also not that atypical for a, a new signing to take their time to settle in at City. I think we've all been kind of hoodwinked a little bit by Doku, who's just who's just like entered the team and has just flown. But like almost everybody else they ever sign, like needs Six months, maybe a year. Grealish needed a year. Rodri had a a pretty tricky start to yeah. life at Man City. So just because and they don't play well. too much in that first, yeah, a lot of them. So first six months, you know, that does. I, I never really get bothered by that. Um, you, you 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 tend to see the better of them a little bit later than than at most clubs. So hopefully for Mateus, it's just onwards and upwards because he is lovely, isn't he? He's a great player. Yeah. I will save it for another show, but I've actually got a few concerns about
0: Docker. I actually think they're better. With Grealish in the team, I think he takes too long on on the ball, takes too long to deliver. And sometimes when Haaland doesn't score, I think it's because Doku doesn't play the, the ball quick enough. But that's a, that's a story for another podcast. Anyway, let's do the combined 11. Let's all have a laugh then at the combined 11 because to channel my inner Jonathan Wilson, we know it would be 11 <laughs> Manchester City players, but that's not how we're going to do things. And I'm also going to channel my inner Jesse from Breaking Bad here because he cannot keep getting away with this. How is Anana the number one? What's going on? Here? <laughs> Anana is in is in this team, and then to be fair, there's two Manchester United defenders, and then that is it. So actually, this eleven has changed whilst we've been recording. You know, live breaking news here. Apparently, Bruno and Maguire are injured out, so we're not going to have either of them in the combined eleven. And actually, they were they were both in there. So we now actually don't far off have. The Manchester City eleven, bar the goalkeeper and Dalo, is a left back in his team. So we've got Anana, Walker, Diaz, Akanji and Dalo, Foden, Rodri, De Bruyne, and Doko, and then it's Haaland and Alvarez up front. I mean, I actually think Dallow is a is, is a good player. Might get the odd game here and there for City, but what's Edison done to deserve this? Sam?
1: So? I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm being harsh. No, but... I'm just so I'm trying to think about this from a, from the from the algorithms perspective. You know what. Well, lots of what, shots against him I assume yeah it's exposure isn't it yeah. that ultimately it, so so edison doesn't keep a ton of clean sheets um it's not a, it's not an awful amount of clean sheets but it, it's not it's not a ridiculous amount is it um, i think pickford's got the most in the league rather than rather than manchester city's goalkeeper which always feels a bit weird but it is no, I didn't know it, that. It, it it is one of those things so if, if Edison's not keeping a clean sheet to boost his his score on the algorithm, what, what is he doing? What is he, what's it? he being forced to do? And, and the reality is that if Onana is facing you know, 22 to 23 shots a game, Dan, he's busier, he's making those yeah, saves, he he's me. getting those points. So that that's, that's what has happened here, I think. Yeah, yeah. The algorithm knows, knows what it's
0: doing. Let's get our predictions in then Manchester City against Manchester United. Just before we do do these predictions, we all got five points last week which has left the the league table unmoved. Well, it hasn't unmoved because we've all got five extra points, but the same distance between us as as there was previously. I'm on 159. Sam and Jonathan are on 147. And then George, sometimes Ali, is on 129. Right then, predictions for this one, George? 3-0 City. 3-0 to City, Sam? 3-1 to City. 3-1 to City, and you're going to like this prediction here. 5-2. City. <laughs> I
2: think if you get that right, you deserve like a couple of extra points. Yeah, thank no, you. Don't
0: well, say we'll, that. We'll spit to no, them. No, Man City do, con- do concede, and you know, it does feel like they could quite easily go 5 nil up and then go into, into second gear. Manchester United score. It's almost
2: couple. like you watched them uh, win 6 2 last night.
0: It well, played into the, it played into the predi- into the prediction. No, that's not illegal to do that, George. I'm, no, I'm no. allowed to watch games and then make my prediction based on, no,
2: on what it happened on the pitch. I was, say, I was saying that's the reason for it not being a good one, but that's uh, it. it's good. I wasn't no, saying it I, I
0: don't know how you do it, but that's generally how I make my <laughs> predictions. Let's, let's do the rest of our predictions. and I haven't got any more five twos. You'll be, you'll be pleased to hear. So Brentford against Chelsea, sir. One all. Yep, exactly the same for me. One one, George. Two one, Chelsea. 2-1 to Chelsea. Everton against West Ham. I've gone for 2-0 to Everton. George? 1-0. One 1-0. All. One all. Sam? I've got a Desmond. 2-2. 2-2. Nice. I've got a 2-2 for Fulham against Brighton. Sam? I've got 2-1 to Fulham. 2-1 to Fulham. George? 2-2. Annoying me. 2-2. Oh, I've got another 2-2 here. Newcastle is no! oh, oh. down as a 2-2 as a here. George? 2-2. 2-2 yeah. as well. Sam? I've got 1-0. One or you know, there's going to be absolutely no two twos this this weekend, and about seven five <laughs> twos now based on based on this prediction. Uh, Forest against Liverpool, Sam. Three one to Liverpool. Yep, three one to Liverpool here as well, George. Three nil. Three nil to Liverpool. Yeah. Spurs <laughs> against Palace. I was really close to going for a draw for this one, but I've, I've gone for two one to Spurs, George. Two nil Spurs. Two nil Spurs, Sam. 3-1 to Spurs. 3-1 Spurs. Didn't feel worth the risk to go for a draw when I knew that, that you two would, would go for Spurs wins. Uh, Luton against Villa, the big one this weekend, Sam. So. 2-1 to Villa. 2-1. God, exactly the same for me. 2-1 to Villa, George. 2-2. 2-2. No. Another 2-2. In no. There, and it sounds, no, that's wrong. That. Yeah, that's wrong. No, wrong. I hope it's wrong. No. I hope it's wrong. <laughs> you know, wins only here. Wins only. Villa needs. Uh, Burnley against Bournemouth, George. 2-1 Burnley. Well, that's interesting. I've gone for 2-0 mm.
1: Bournemouth, Sam. I've gone for 3-1 to Bournemouth, which is my fourth 3-1 <laughs> <laughs> like me with, of the week.
0: Like me with the two-twos. Uh Man City v Manchester United, we've already done and we know we'll be 5-2 to, to Manchester City. And then to finish, Sheffield United
1: against Arsenal, Sam. This is one of those correct scorecards. It's like when England play San Marino and you place a bet. You've got to pick <laughs> between four, five, six, seven, and eight nil. Um, I'm kidding. I'm not going that high. I'm going to go for three nil to Arsenal, though.
0: I've gone for three one to, to Arsenal, George. Five nil Arsenal. Five nil to Arsenal. It's huge. It's it huge, is England be- San Marino, <laughs> and he's gone on be the fun. lower end could be some could be some uh some big changes in the table this week there, there's some of the same but there's also if someone could pull off one of the five 0s or the five 2s then you really will be giving yourself an advantage right there and that does us for this week's edition of edge of the box in association with ultimate fan. If you can subscribe to the channel with your post notifications on if you are watching via YouTube then we would all be very grateful and give the video a like as well and a comment if you agree with our score predictions and everything else that we've covered in what was basically an assassination of Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag. Also if you're listening via audio then do all the good stuff that helps the channel on there as well and I thank you very much in advance because I know you've listened to it or watched it that you'll do all the things that I've just said. We will of course be back next week previewing the games as we always do so all that's left to say is enjoy all the football at the weekend and tell all your friends and family about the show.